0: Hey, good evening, Newark, and welcome back once again to our Wednesday night live Bible study. Today is August 19th, 2020, and I am excited to be with you this evening as we get ready to do our live Bible study. As you will notice that I am not by myself tonight, I have the very esteemed and and well-experienced, well-seasoned, Roy Moss the Reverend Roy Moss on with me tonight and we were talking ahead of time and we're going to do something a bit different tonight and I'm excited about this so it's it's a chance to uh, approach this Wednesday night Bible study from a different angle if you've been following along with our regular broadcast then you know that this week we have a theme of finding the will of God or hearing the voice of God kind of both of these ideas of how how do I hear the voice of God how do I find God's will for my life we as a pastoral team have noticed over the last several weeks in our different broadcasts, especially when it came time for the Q and A, and we've gotten a lot of questions, both from young people and even more seasoned saints, with uh, different variations of this theme. You know, how how do I seek out God's will for this or that, or how do I find my place in ministry? All of which are excellent questions. And so, collectively as a pastoral team, we thought that it would be worth taking an entire week and spending our focus in our broadcast on discussing this theme. So, when we plan this. I was given the task of taking tonight, Wednesday, August 19th, and doing the live Bible study and talking about finding the will of God for your life. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'd love to talk about this. I've done Bible studies on this before. I've got my notes. I'll go pull those back out, brush them off, clean them up. And and that's what I'm going to do for Wednesday night. And so I set that in my head and kind of set it aside. And so I've been watching this week as we start our weekly theme on Saturday nights. And we got to Sunday. And Brother Moss, who was with me, did the Sunday broadcast and he walked through his Bible study. And it was almost exactly like mine. And I thought, this is really good stuff. In fact, this is such good stuff, I am not gonna repeat this three days from now on Wednesday because I'm gonna be saying practically the same thing. So there went that idea, which is fine. So tonight, instead, we're gonna do something a bit different than the way we typically do our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm going to talk for a few minutes and then I'm going to engage him. And he and I are going to kick some stories back and forth out of our own experiences. And I want you to go ahead and start submitting questions now because we're only going to talk maybe 15, 20 minutes, not as long. And we want to get to the Q&A part. And so if you are watching the broadcast and you're already tuned in, there's no secret. You know where the topic is going. Tonight, we're going to be talking about hearing the voice of God slash finding the will of God, because I think those are both interrelated and honestly the answer to both those questions is many times the same answer, okay? And so we're gonna explore that theme for a while tonight. So go ahead and you can start submitting questions right now. Joyce is in the background, checking out our Restream chat. And so she will join us a bit later. We'll call her onto the broadcast when we're ready to have her take questions. So I'm gonna start out first and then I'm gonna turn it to him and let him share a little bit. And as I was thinking earlier today, and getting ready for this, We are in the now the second half of the month of August of 2020. I am 37 years old and it was 20 years ago in August of 2000 at age 17 that I left Washington State and I moved 1,000 miles south to Stockton, California, Central California. I grew up in the Seattle-Tacoma area of Washington State on the Puget Sound. And I packed up my few precious belongings in my little Mitsubishi Mirage, and my mother drove with me the thousand miles down to California, and I checked into Bible college, and it changed the course of my life. And so for the last 20 years, as of this month, I have been actively pursuing ministry, actively pursuing a call, as it's often referred to, and seeking after the will of God in my life and what he would like me to do before the broadcast started, I was refreshing with Brother Moss. He is 75 years old. I don't think I'm giving away any secrets telling people that. And for him, he received his first call. He was telling me at age eight, but then it was really at age 19 where he actively began, you know, to pursue ministry and God's will in his life and in a more uh, direct and controlled way where he was a master of his own destiny, if you will, as a young adult. So you figure from age 19 and now he's 75. So We've got 20 years for me, which is not too bad. But then, you know, you stack it up against 56 years for Brother Moss of trying to find the will of God for your life. And there's a plethora of experience here that we would just like to share some of our own stories. Now, before I turn it over to him and let him share a little bit, I want to back up and share just a few items from my own story. Maybe hit a couple things that he didn't quite express the way I would have on Sunday night. He did excellent on Sunday night. But there are a few things that I was thinking of that he didn't say. So maybe I'll weave those in tonight. And between Sunday night and tonight, you will get an excellent rounded Bible study and some good thoughts on this. The first thing I would like to point out when I talk to people and they ask me, you know, hey, I'm trying to find the will of God for my life. Or, I'm seeking after God's direction for fill in the blank decision. One of the first things I would point out to anyone is that there is no formula for this. I would like you to pull out your Bibles right now, and I want you to turn to the book of Will of God, chapter 3, verse 7. See, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We don't have anywhere in the Bible called Will of God. Nowhere in Jesus' sermons and in his parables and in his teaching is there a section on Will of God. Nowhere in the Pauline epistles is there this discussion about the will of God as this fully developed, you know, well-rounded idea of, I can point you to this passage in scripture. And this is where you go to find the steps for finding the will of God. And I believe that's intentional because we are all unique individuals and we're wonderfully and fearfully created by God. And he's made us all distinct and different. And he speaks to us in different ways and his plans for us are as varied and as beautiful and complex and different as each of us are and so i can't give you and elder moss cannot give you a lockdown formula that says this is how you find the will of god now don't be discouraged though because what we can do is share some of our life experience a few scripture passages and some general principles that will help guide you as you're looking for the will of god for your life for ministry for a particular situation But if you are looking through your Bible, trying to find that place in your Bible where it's going to tell you how to hear the voice of God and it's going to tell you how to follow his will. Let me save you a little frustration. You're not going to because our Bible's not laid out that way. It doesn't work that way. So a few things just reflecting back over the last 20 years for me. At age 17, I left home after finishing high school and I decided to go to Bible college and pursue ministry. And the honest truth, I know this sounds crazy, but the honest truth is I didn't want to go. I was thinking about this earlier today. Mine was a bit of a Jonah situation. I was very frustrated with God. I did not want to go to Bible college. I had a completely different career path. But my senior year of high school, I felt God kind of prodding me and poking on me, especially the second half of my senior year and tugging on my heart to do something for his kingdom. And I very selfishly was not interested. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't want to do anything related to ministry. I had my own goals and I did my best to ignore that. And by the end of my senior year of high school, I was miserable. I was very uncomfortable. Things were not working. I had all these plans. I don't have time to unpack it all right now, but everything fell apart in a matter of just a few weeks. And I remember coming home one day after work and I walked out into our garage and I had it out with God. And I was yelling at God and I was railing against the creator of the universe. this is not fair and leave me alone and stop messing with my life. And I don't want to do this. And why can't you just let me have my way? And I just vented all this frustration and anger. And the story is a lot more complex than that. That's the short version. But after my rant, the God who is full of mercy and slow to get angry did not strike me with a lightning bolt. Instead, in kind of a still, calm, quiet, whispery voice, I felt God speak to me and say, are you done yet? And then I just broke down and sobbed and bawled like a baby. And after I had a good cry, I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll go to Bible college. But I'm only giving you one year. Then I went from a Jonah moment where I was running away to a Jacob moment where I thought I could barter with the master of the universe. I'll go, but I'm only going to give you one year. And of course, one year turned into two and then into four. And then this is what I've done with my life for the last 20 years. But in going to Bible college, you may have some incredible, supernatural, awe-inspiring, miraculous spiritual experience where God parts the heavens and he speaks to you. And I don't say that sarcastically because I have met people who have had incredible prophetic visions and dreams. And I've met people who had God speak to them audibly and something miraculous and divine. I have met people who have been visited by angels. That did not happen for me. And if that happens for you, great. But I'm, I'm letting you know from my own experience, that was not what happened to me. And I was angry and I was mad. And I felt like I was being forced to do this and I didn't want to go. And I had a rotten attitude my first semester of Bible college. This is not really sounding glorious right now, is it? And in thinking back on that, it occurred to me that sometimes, and for some of us, maybe often, we almost fall into the will of God. We're going about our business and we discover it along the way. I did not set a course with a final destination in mind and plot how to get from where I am to exactly this far distant point in the future. As Brother Moss already said on Sunday, I I was in the way. I was already moving and doing things. And it was more of a turn here. No, correct that. No, not quite there. Tap it over a little more this way. And throughout my life, I have often found that at least for me, God doesn't give me some massive, incredible destination way out in the future. Often, it's just one or two steps in front of where I'm at. And I would say that finding the will of God is not so much about a final destination as it is about learning to be in tune with his spirit and his voice as he speaks to you and being willing to adapt and change your course and and, uh, correct your course as you move along. And it's very, very likely for most of you, especially think big picture, overarching picture, as you look for the will of God in your life, that he's going to show you the next step. Maybe the next two steps. He may give you some really big dream. And you have no clue how to get there. You don't even know how to aim in that direction. And that's okay. He's not going to give you the next 15 steps. He's going to give you one or two and see if you're obedient to his call and if you'll listen to what he's doing and you just kind of move your way along as a guiding principle. Let me this is the part that was in the Bible study I was going to do. That is a little bit different than what Brother Moss covered, but it's a lot of the same principles. I originally wrote this Bible study for a youth group, college and career age group. And so I boiled it down to these five principles. So I'm going to spit this out real fast and then I'm going to ask Brother Moss to take over. Here are five high level guiding principles when you're looking for the will of God, when you're trying to figure out what it is that God wants you to do, especially once you come down to the decision point. So this isn't the nebulous where I'm at. No, this is now you're walking down life's journey and all of a sudden you've hit a fork in the road. Okay. And you've got, more than one choice to make. What should you do when you get to that point? At a very, very high level, here are five guiding principles that, I, that I've told young people, college and career age, young adults before. Number one, and this is first and foremost, and you start here every time. Does this line up with the word of God? As I'm getting ready to make this decision, does it line up with the word of God? You must internalize this principle. Now, hear me. Prayer is important. You need to talk to God. But before you even pray, start with reading scripture and learning his word. It will save you a lot of frustration. I don't have to pray to ask God if it's okay to steal. I don't have to pray to ask God if it's okay to cheat and to lie or to kill or adultery or other things. And you say, well, of course not. That's ridiculous. Those are big, the big sins, things like that. How do we know that? Because scripture makes it abundantly clear that that's not acceptable. Idol worship is not acceptable. Having other gods before our God is not acceptable. I don't need to spend time in prayer over a decision that's going to violate the principles of scripture. Should I pray and talk to God? Absolutely. But I don't need to waste time praying and talking to God about a decision that will violate a scriptural principle. So even more than prayer, and don't misunderstand me. Prayer is extremely important, but even more than prayer, start by digging into the word of God and learning the word of God. And then when you are faced with these decisions, ask yourself, does this line up with scripture? The decision I'm about to make, does it violate some principle in scripture? If it violates some principle in scripture, then guess what? Your decision's made for you. You're done. No need to pray. The answer is no, don't do that. So number one, does this line up with the word of God? Number two, Are you at peace about this decision? Now, I don't mean, does it make your heart happy? This Hollywood Disney drivel nonsense that says, you know, oh, I just want to be happy. Follow your heart. Well, Jeremiah tells us that our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. You don't follow your heart. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about that God-given peace. Is your spirit, the Holy Spirit that is living inside of you, is it at rest? with the decision you're about to make or are you still bothered by it is something nagging at the back of you and it just doesn't quite feel right when you think about it when you go to bed you you can't quite get to sleep you don't know what to do yet but something's just off in a way that maybe you can't explain yet that's the spirit telling you to pause you need to pay attention to those things so do you have peace about this decision Not does it make your heart happy, but do you have that God-given peace about the decision you're going to make? If you don't have peace about the decision yet, it could be that the decision is the wrong decision, or it could be that it's not time to make that decision yet. And you need to pause. Number three, this one's geared more for our young people and our young adults, and perhaps those of you who are newer in your walk with God. Have you consulted with at least two at least two friends or elders that have a history of making God-honoring decisions. As you develop in your walk with God, you need to read scripture. You need to spend time in prayer talking to God. You need to see if you're at peace with the decision, but you also should seek counsel. There is benefit to counsel. Scripture tells us that God will direct our paths in Proverbs chapter three, verse six, and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. And then Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Notice it said multitude of counselors, plural. So find some godly people who have a long history of making good God-honoring decisions and make them elders in your life, people that you're willing to talk to and discuss decisions with, especially for you young people. And seek after their counsel. An easy one, if you have two god-fearing parents who are spirit-filled and living for god and they've got a history of making god-honoring decisions start with your parents if that's not the case do you have aunts uncles grandparents other relatives are there older saints in your church it doesn't just have to be quote-unquote the pastor it can be that but find some people who have walked with god for some time and they've they've developed their own good strong habits god-honoring people and seek their counsel and then number four and this is important Think through the ramifications of this decision you're about to make as you seek God's will. When you're done, is this decision going to bring glory to God or is it going to bring glory to you? If this is a decision that only benefits you, especially a major life decision, like trying to decide your career path, trying to decide if you need to move to a new location, major, major decisions, you need to think through who benefits from this decision. And then number five, how does it affect your family? For you young people, how's it going to affect your siblings? How's it going to affect your parents? How's it going to affect your church community? For those of you who are parents, you make this decision. How's it going to impact your children? How's it going to impact the rest of your family? So I'm going really, really fast because these are just high-level principles, and I'm about to turn it over to Elder Moss, but I just want to hit these five things one more time. Number one, does this decision line up with the Word of God? If it does not line up with the Word of God, pitch it. You're done. You don't even need to consider it further. Number two, do you have peace about this decision? Not necessarily that this decision makes you happy or excited, but are you at peace with this decision? Number three, have you consulted with at least two elders, two people who have a long history of making good God-honoring decisions? Number four, does this decision bring glory to God or just glory to you? It can bring glory to both. It can be an honorable decisions for everyone. But if it's only going to benefit you, you should give long pause and think about that. And number five, how does this decision affect my family? If you will work through these five questions, most of the time, you can resolve whatever this fork in the road is that you're facing. And I'm going to say one final thing, and then I want to start asking our elder some questions. You may find, even after working through all of that, Maybe it's not a fork in the road. Maybe it looks more like this. And you could go this way or this way or this way or this way. And you're trying to narrow it down. And by the time you're done, you know what? This decision and this decision, both of these seem really valid. God, what do I do? And you pray about it. And, and he doesn't say pick option A or pick option C. Go back to God and say, you know what, God? Are both of these acceptable? Is this a case where you are okay with either decision? Finding the will of God does not always mean, in my experience, that there is one right decision. We serve an infinite God who is the master of the universe and all of its inner workings. And he is not limited and bound by our singular decisions. And there are times in your life where more than one decision is acceptable. And so talk to God about that. If you've worked your way through this process and you still have two choices, it could be that either choice is acceptable. And if that's the case, ask God to tell you, you know what, are, are both of these okay? And when I learned to do that as an adult within the last 10 years of my life, it was so incredibly freeing. And there have been times where I felt God come back to me and say, you know what, either of these would work. Pick one. All right, let me turn to the elder. Let me ask you, in your own life, have you
1: found the will of God? Multiple times.
0: Multiple times, really. So so did you feel like it was this one huge monolithic thing, this this will of God?
1: No, it, it was usually for whatever I was facing at the time. To, to go this direction or that direction or to deal with this situation. I've, yeah. Life is full of... of opportunities choices and so it's a matter of we have to keep finding the will of God even at my age and my status whatever it may be in minister ministry now i'm still just trying to find out what the will of the lord is for the rest of my life one step at a time so
0: have you had any experiences where god Showed you something really big, maybe way out. Oh, yeah. For you. Yes. And did he outline for you what to do to get there?
1: Uh, not so much how to get there, just what to be involved in.
0: What to do next? The,
1: well, I, when I was 22 years old, I was holding a revival in Sperry, Oklahoma, which is a suburb just north of Tulsa. And on Saturday night of that revival, we'd been up visiting, went to bed about midnight. Mm-hmm. And after I got to bed for the next two hours, I was the Lord came and visited with me. And I saw a vision of myself in Bartlesville, preaching at a Baptist church, and then preaching uh, in the north part of town. Uh, and I I took it as a call to go to Bartlesville. I saw some things that I, I have not seen them come to pass yet after over 50 years from that time. And yet in this last month, and I can't go into much detail right now because things are still working, yeah. But there is something that has happened in Bartlesville right now that is a result of, of things that happened 50 years ago. Uh, wow. So, so uh, God directed me to Bartlesville. I went when I crossed the city limits line of Bartlesville. I had no job. I had no place to stay. Uh, I had no contacts. I had less than three hundred dollars in my pocket and no bank account. I'd closed out the bank account in order to get the three hundred dollars. I had uh, about everything I owned in my Volkswagen Bug, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and
0: and yet you were moving. You you were doing this even without
1: doing. Yeah. So so, I, I so had I'm to, filling
0: in a few blanks here, but you, you didn't have some huge plan with all these steps lined out before you started moving towards what god was showing you
1: the main plan i had already of my plan was i'm going to go there and i'm going to teach home bible studies i took my search for truth chart with me and then i found out that it was very difficult to get home bible studies in bartlesville so i only did a couple of those
0: but that was your plan.
1: That was my plan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and that was about as hatched as the plan was, huh? You're going to no, go that, there and teach Bible studies.
1: I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see what happens. And yeah. 46 years later to the day, I pulled out of Bartlesville to move up here to Newark.
0: Did you see... 46 years into the future? Or you just felt that God was calling you to Bartlesville?
1: Well, I, I saw 46 years into the future. I did, had no idea that's how far it was. In yeah. fact, I saw farther than that. But I, I had no idea that that was the time because there was no calendar, no clock attached to it. I just saw incidents that, that happened And I had no idea what order they would be in or when they would happen. And as I've said, some of them had not happened yet. And and there's
0: so much right there. We could probably spend the rest of the night just talking about sometimes when God shows us things. There's no timetable attached to that.
1: Well, in the book of Revelation, there are three different places widely scattered where he says time shall be no more or an equivalent of it. So I He's not obligated to to be linear when he talks to us. Oh, can you please
0: repeat that? He's not obligated to be what? God
1: is not obligated to be linear when he talks to us. Absolutely. There's a wonderful life lesson for all of us.
0: Sometimes God may speak to you and he may show you multiple things. Please don't make the mistake of assuming that it's a, b. C, D, and it will necessarily happen in that order i've had that experience in life too where god showed me more than one thing at once and it's easy to think oh i'm going to do this and then this and then this and at at one point but he didn't say that he just said uh, i was going to do these things he said this won't happen yeah uh
1: at one point my own thinking now we've got to be careful that we make a distinction between what we think and what God has said or God has showed us at one point i got to thinking uh, not everybody can build a church but obviously i can because god sent me here hmm. and and you know that's, that's not a matter of pride that's just looking at it that god said i could do it or he wouldn't have sent yeah. me here so I can do it and I'll build a church here and I'll get it uh, self supporting and then I'll turn it over to someone else who uh, maybe couldn't build a church, but they could pastor a church. They could and grow it. I'll, yeah. I'll go somewhere else. And I set for myself a timetable of about five years. I, I build a church, get it self supporting in five years. So you had a five year yeah. plan. Yeah. Uh, How'd that work out 46 yeah. years well, later? I, I spent 46 years. <laughs> On your five-year plan? On my five-year plan. Maybe and never did, Well, I did start. I was pastor of a second church, but it was while I was also pastoring in Bartlesville. But that's another story right. for another day. Uh, right. But I, I, I figured up I could start another church about every five years, and then, and, and, you know, that would be my mm-hmm. contribution to the kingdom. Uh, and I knew men who had done things like that. Yeah but it didn't turn out that that was what god had really planned for me yeah and Absolutely. there were there were opportunities to go somewhere else literally in the time and very very good reasons to go somewhere else i had a friend in tulsa that that uh, built a building down there and and he had a saying that i almost for many years adopted for my own life for everything I was involved in. He he said, I don't know which time we ran out of money was the worst.
0: <laughs> Not when we ran out of money, but which time we ran out of which money was, was the worst. worst. Yeah. Yeah. Finding yeah. the will of God doesn't always mean security and safety. So no. please, please. That's a myth. Please don't think, Oh, I'm going to find the will of God and then I'll be secure. Uh, likely likely you'll find the will of god and or at least the direction and you'll start moving in it, and things will get worse and be a lot scarier
1: very scary sometimes joyce you can go to...
0: ahead and rejoin us as we keep talking get ready to feed us questions
1: uh remember I, I, a time what i resigned one time the uh, church didn't Did you know really about it. yes uh, oh, okay church didn't know about it but we were i was out of a job um uh, mm-hmm we were fairly newly married. And I, I just I just couldn't do I, In fact, I walked the railroad tracks. Our, our church was in a triangular area there. Oh, where were two railroad tracks? Two man? railroad tracks and a cemetery. And in uh-huh. between there was, was where the church was located. And so I went and, and walked down the railroad tracks and, and I told God he had made a mistake that I couldn't do this. It's just, it, and at that time, you could you could support a family for about $6,000 a year, do a, a real good job of it. I, I knew people that were doing it and saving money, and I had an offer of a job. That was
0: not you, 2020.
1: it was <laughs> not 2020, but um, in, at that time, when $6,000 a year would would, you could- Take care money. of a family, mm-hmm. yeah. I had an offer for a job in Texas that would pay me a minimum of $20,000 a year. Mm. And so I, I, I made a deal with God. I said, uh, if you'll just release you me. You
0: had a Jacob moment, huh?
1: I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go to Texas and take that job and I'll send money back here. You send somebody here who can do the job and I'll send money back here so that this church will never lack for finances. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And uh, the Lord kind of let me know that he had all the money he needed. (laughs) But what he was... Maybe Roy Moss didn't feel like he had all the money he needed, but but God wasn't worried about the money. He had it, I didn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, he let me know that what he needed was not money, but somebody who would go where he told them to and do what he said. And it was many years later before I resigned again.
0: (laughs) But you didn't really resign, you retired the next time. That's not quite the same
1: I I thought it was gonna be a semi-retirement, but it doesn't seem to have worked out exactly that way. (laughs) Still busy, still in the way. Still in the way. Absolutely. God's open doors. So I walk through them.
0: Mm -hmm. Very much so. Joyce, do you have some questions? I hope by now that people have sent to us.
2: Yes. So I know you already mentioned that you never had any super huge, you know, moments where God instructed you to do something, but what was the strongest, most obvious message of God that you've ever received from him? And by the way, Rachel, Rachel already answered this for you and said it was to marry her.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I guess the answer is that yes, obviously the most incredible thing was that I was supposed to marry my wife. Now, taking that one and setting it aside besides that, let me clarify something. I, I didn't mean to give the impression that God has never spoken to me in an incredible way. But I'm saying, at 17, finishing high school, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life, the clouds did not part. I did not get an angelic visit. There was no thundering voice from heaven. I was miserable. And I couldn't, and, and I felt God, for lack of a better word, he was just drawing me to do this. My thoughts would turn toward this. I would think about this. Somebody would say something about Bible college, and it would perk my interest. And i think, no, I don't want to. But I couldn't get away from it. It kept popping up everywhere. For me personally, there have been more than one time in life where God has spoken to me through a dream. And for me personally, those dreams have actually been warnings. There have been some very clear times in my life where God spoke to me through a dream and it was a warning not to do something. And as far as just a out-of-the-ordinary Supernatural experience that was clearly not something I fabricated or generated myself, something that was in no way possible a a pizza dream or anything crazy. I've had a couple of those experiences, and for me personally, I can think of three very distinct times in my adult life where one of those was a time where God warned me about a job situation and that something was about to turn sour. But it was going to be okay he was going to protect me and take care of me one of those my wife and i had two very distinct different dreams and they were scary dreams but they weren't nightmares because we could tell that they were god-ordained and they were life-threatening and we had them at the same night and woke up and told each other our dreams and we knew that they were both given to us by god and it was a warning that something we we're about to hit a storm but it was going to be okay and we had a breast cancer scare with rachel right before we moved here But it didn't terrify us because, again, God spoke to both of us in the dream in very distinct, different ways. But it made it clear that she was not going to die and we were going to be okay. And another time where God spoke to me in a dream, when I finished my master's program and plain as day, unmistakably, he flat out told me in the dream, do not seek secular employment. In other words, don't go job hunting. when I finished my master's program. That was probably the most terrifying experience of my adult life because at this point I'm in my 30s and I have a wife and three children and I've already quit my job and I moved across the country from California to St. Louis and I spent the last two and a half years getting a master's degree in theology and now I'm done with that and God says don't go look for a job and I spent six months unemployed, on purpose. It was terrifying. But God provided. And I did little work here and there. We got to do some different things and try out some different things in ministry. My wife and I went to Australia for almost a whole month. Mamaw and Papa kept the kids. And I taught in a Bible college. Recorded some courses for them and got to do some incredible, amazing things that we would not have been able to do if I was working a regular job. But it was terrifying. It was not like, "Whoa, yeah, let's go do this. No, it was it was some of the scariest times in my entire adult life. Finding the will of God does not mean that everything's good or easy. Finding the will of God does not even mean that you will like what God tells you. Please don't confuse that. Earlier, when I talked about having peace, this is what I was getting at. That was a terrifying experience. But I knew it's what God had asked me to do. I was at peace with that decision. I did not like that decision, but I was at peace with it because I knew it's what God had directed. Brother Moss, you ever have any incredible, for lack of a better word, supernatural or miraculous encounters where God gave you direction?
1: Well, in Sperry that night, the vision. Yeah,
0: that's the one you shared. Yes, sir.
1: And uh, when uh, when I got my second call to the ministry. First time when I was eight, which is a a whole nother story, but I was enrolled at the University of Texas in the aerospace engineering program. And it just... When you were 19? This is when I was 19. I'd received the Holy Ghost the previous summer. Mm -hmm. And the Lord, one night, again, went to bed late and couldn't go to sleep. And The Lord showed up, and we had a discussion. And I tried to convince him that if I were an engineer, I could make a lot more money and support a church somewhere. Seems to be a theme, doesn't it?
0: At least for you. (laughs) You were pretty sure God could use your money more than (laughs) once in life, huh?
1: Yes, and uh, then when I got in the got in church and got to preaching. Uh, I, I didn't have all those resources. I just had to give him me instead of money. Mm. But he, I spent most of the night wrestling with the Lord, telling him, you've got the wrong address. Your preacher doesn't live here. Your engineer lives here. And I'm just going to be real blunt because he was blunt with me that night that I could be an engineer and I'd be lost. Or I could be a preacher and have a chance to be saved. So uh, by by, son, up it wasn't much of a hard decision to make. I are comfortable yeah. sharing that decision with my family because. Oh, I bet I was,
0: that went over really well, didn't
1: it? Since I was a little bitty boy, I had some of my earliest memories are drawing rocket ships.
0: So you've wanted to build
1: rockets your whole life. I wanted point. to build rockets my whole life. I've, I knew I couldn't be an astronaut. I, my vision was too bad and my health was bad, but.
0: Uh, but you can build the rockets.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd sold everybody else on the, on my dream. And then I come back and say, I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a preacher. And it was Katie bar the door. It was not well received. But here I am.
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Joyce, you have any other questions?
2: Yes. How can you pursue the calling you think you're receiving when you're not sure where to start?
0: Okay. Can I take the first stab at this one? Then I'll turn it over to you. I'm going to jump in line first on this one. And he's probably going to say the same thing. Let's see. The first thing I would tell you is to get busy doing something. This really goes back to, I mean, this is core, core principle of what he was saying. I was in the way when when he talked about Isaac, excuse me, Abraham's servant going to look for a wife for Isaac. He left and started out and then God directed him when he was in motion. If you are feeling a call to any kind of ministry and you're not sure exactly how to get there, Or how to even start that ministry. Don't try to start that ministry. Get involved where you can. Pick up a shovel and start digging. And start working now. And I guarantee you. Hear me. I guarantee you. If you will start moving. God will direct you. And he will open doors. And he will put you in contact with the right people. And you will not be able to orchestrate it. But he'll wait for you to start moving. First, all right, your turn, Elder. What were you going to say? Ditto.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. If it's pulling weeds out of the flower bed, if it's cleaning the toilets, if it's painting a Sunday school room, what if anything is beneath you, you're too high. You and just just get started. If the, if there's an opportunity, take it, run with it, do it, do it the best it's ever been done, and wait for somebody to notice. God will notice, and He'll point it out to someone else. The someone second, else
0: will notice. Yeah. The
1: second thing I would say in relation to this of of finding the will of God and getting started is be faithful to God. Now, under normal circumstances, that would be be faithful to the church services. Well, we're not having church services now, but there are other ways that you can be faithful. You can be faithful to these services, these programs at night, you can be faithful mm-hmm. in your continued support of the church. Oh, yeah, there you go. Talking about money again. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about faithfulness. Yeah. And if you're. What's your faithful, Bible reading look like? Yeah. If you're you know, faithful, what's your... God will open doors for you. I am convinced that there are offices that I was elected to because I was always there not because i'm the smartest not because i'm the best but because i was there if you want Mm -hmm. to be used of god be faithful and do something while you're there it's not complicated i don't have to i don't have to be in the spotlight there's a lot of the kingdom the kingdom work that gets done no spotlights anywhere near but it's important
0: please 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 don't reduce kingdom work to what happens in front of the pulpit oh that's the that's the most visible part but it's also actually one of the smallest slices of what happens in the kingdom
1: well just like these programs that we've got here this is the most visible part of the church but the, this is not where the real work is being done of reaching out to your friends that I don't know, that Desi doesn't know, your neighbor, Got to touch yeah. them. your coworkers, and uh, even these programs are just the tip of the iceberg. There are hours and hours and hours of, of preparation and and consultation that go into. It. There are hours per for hours in the background, for every minute on the broadcast.
0: Yes, there are, absolutely. Joyce, do you have any more?
2: Mm -hmm. You said to consider if this decision would bring glory to God or just to you. For certain things like secular career choices, there's no obvious choice that seems to bring glory to God. So how do you advise in proceeding in that case? I was thinking the same thing.
0: Okay, so let's back up a level from that, and let me flip the question back. Can you work a secular job and it still bring glory to God, Brother Moss?
1: I certainly hope so. How? Well, you live for God while you're on the job. If you get an opportunity... You witnessed one of the biggest revivals we ever had in Bartlesville where I baptized close to 50 people in a year came as a result of my working on a job. Working as a delivery boy in a bindery, printing shop bindery. And yet there I was able to touch someone. He got the Holy Ghost. He touched his friends. And before it was over, we had a major revival. In fact, that's the year-long revival where Brother Booker came into the church. Larry
0: Booker, who was on our Friday night with friends a few weeks ago, and who has traveled the world preaching and
1: evangelizing. And in that same revival, there was a a young lady that Brother Booker reached before he had been two months in the church. She's been dead since 1996. But she was a faithful saint of God. she never preached, she never she taught Sunday school class for us, but she was a faithful child of god and in in my understanding, that's the important thing, not how how widely known as a minister you were, or even that you were a minister, unless God called you to be one. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And when he says minister, he means as in vocation.
1: Bo- vocation. We're, we're, we're all called to work. In yeah, the we're doctor. all. Well, yeah. let me use the term preacher. Right, right. I yeah. think we understand that. Yeah, we're all supposed mm-hmm. to be ministers and we're all supposed to be. I didn't, I didn't reach that young man on the job because I was a preacher. I reached him because I was his co-worker. There we go. Absolutely.
0: And, and I was going to say something similar to that. Um, so let's say you have a job opportunity or you're thinking about making a career choice or a career change are you making this career change because you see dollar signs in front of you is that your only motivation are you making this career change because uh it's something that you think will bring you clout and prestige and notoriety that's what i talk about bringing glory to myself when you're thinking through these decisions, have you only thought about how it impacts you and not your family and not your church family and your community and how you know can God do this? Can I take this job and make an insane amount of money and get lots of notoriety and clout and prestige in my profession? But in order to do it, I've now got to start working 12-hour days, seven days a week, and I've got to stop teaching Sunday school. And I'll make it to church, you know, every once in a while. And um, it's going to require me to travel nonstop, but probably maybe once a month I might be in town on a Sunday. And God, when I'm in town on a Sunday, I'll go to church.
1: Christmas, Easter's, and Mother's Day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does that bring glory to you or does that bring glory to God? These are the kind of things I'm talking about. Glory to God does not mean me standing behind a pulpit. Glory to God means, and here's a life principle for all of us to remember. We are made in the image of God. And if his spirit lives inside of you, if you are filled with his spirit, then his light should be reflected out of you. And when people interact with you, they should see Jesus. And that doesn't happen just behind a pulpit. That happens if you are a clerk at a grocery store or a businessman on Wall Street. Do people see Jesus in your work? Does your work ethic bring glory to God? Does your attitude and your temperament on the job bring glory to God? Does your mouth bring glory to God? When people speak to you, do they notice that you are kind in your words, that you are patient with your coworkers? Or do you spout off? Are you cynical? Do you talk back to your leadership? Have you got a rotten attitude? Are there dirty words that come out of your mouth, profane jokes, crude humor, or is your speech seasoned with salt? Is it light? Do people talk to you and leave feeling encouraged and better? This brings glory to God. And I don't care where you work. What you do should be a reflection of your relationship with your creator. And so there are some career choices that are illegal or they're highly immoral, and you don't need to consider those. But outside of that, if it's a career choice, uh, it's a misnomer at times. I'm a, I'm a bit of a soapbox at a moment. It bothers me when I talk to people and they've somehow gotten this idea that God calls people to be preachers and God calls people to pastor and God people calls people to be evangelists, but he never calls anybody to be a doctor or an electrician, or a carpenter, or a small business owner. And I'm sorry, that's nonsense. We have no Bible for that. If God is tugging on your heart, and he's opened an opportunity for you to pursue fill-in-the-blank career path, and you have genuinely sought after God, and you've been speaking to him, and you've sought godly counsel, and everything lines up, then go be a doctor. Go be a small business owner. Go be an electrician, or a plumber, or whatever. Who says that God can't call you there? And in doing that, you're not fulfilling the work of the ministry. Don't think that evangelist means full-time supported in ministry and an evangelist is only someone who travels for a living preaching in different churches. You most certainly could be, and I'm speaking to somebody right now, hear me, I don't know who you are, but you've got this idea in your head that evangelist means that you have to be full-time only deriving income from preaching in different churches. If God's called you to be an evangelist, then you can do that while you work a secular job. An evangelist is someone who proclaims the good news. An evangelist is someone who is sharing the gospel message, and their life draws people to Christ. You can be an evangelist while you do fill-in-the-blank occupation. And this doesn't apply just to evangelists, but somebody needed to hear me say that.
1: The servant girl who was a slave, literal slave. Naaman. The yeah, name Naaman slave. Brought glory to God in slavery. And I'm sure that there are multiple other examples through the Bible. If, if you give me two weeks, I can get them, most of them.
0: <laughs> there's, there's many of those.
1: Yeah. And it's then take... Take five minutes to tell you who all they are after two weeks of study. I Hear both of us. Now,
0: you're listening to two men who derive their full-time income from the ministry. But both okay. of us were bivocational for many years. And we're, and we're both trying to tell you, don't reduce the will of God and God's vocations to only people who derive their income from churches. That's, that's too small. You can bring glory to God in fill-in-the-blank occupation. God may be calling you to fill-in-the-blank occupation. He doesn't just call preachers.
1: My daughter and I worked in the same hardware store while I was pastoring the church in Bartlesville. Hmm.
2: Another question. Yes, ma'am. What if God leads us, but we feel we aren't good enough or we don't deserve a blessing?
0: You don't. I was about to say the same thing. Let me help you with that. You're not good enough. We'll just solve that one right now. <laughs> you're not. here. Here, I'll help you. You're not qualified. Let me just tell you that right now. If God's calling you to do fill in the blank, you're not qualified. You know why? Because if you're not qualified and you step out in faith and God begins to work in you and you begin to grow, who gets the glory out of this? This goes back to the who gets glory. You are God. If you're not qualified and you don't deserve it and it's not something you can do on your own, it probably is a God thing. That's a pretty good indication that it is a God thing because he's going to get glory out of it, not just you.
1: I don't ever remember doing anything that I could do anyhow. Not for God. God does not. He had helped me.
0: God does not call. Qualified people. He, He calls. And he beckons to people. Who will obey. And who will respond to him. And then he'll make up the difference. As they journey. Go back and reread the story of Gideon. It's a joke. He's hiding. He's hiding from the enemy in a wine press. Now, you got to know what a wine press is. At most, it was waist high, a stone wall in a circular shape where they would stomp out the grapes to produce the juice. And then there'd be a little channel on one side with a little downpour spout so they could collect it as they stomped them. At most, you're talking about a wall that's waist high. If Gideon is hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat, that means that he is hands and And forearms down on the ground, huddled over, quietly banging on his wheat with a stick or a rock. And an angel shows up and says, thou mighty man of valor. (laughs) It's a
1: joke. It is a joke. It's a joke. Most of us
2: are.
0: Gideon knows it's a joke. Gideon says, who, me? I am the least in my daddy's house. And we are the smallest family in our tribe, and our tribe is pathetic. Oh mighty man of valor. If you feel like God is calling you to do something and you're looking at it and you're going, Oh, God can't be calling me to do that. I'm not qualified to do that. Let me help you. You're not. Let's just settle that one. You're not qualified. If God's calling you to do it, you're not.
1: The most important ability is availability. It doesn't matter how qualified you are. If you're not available, you're no use. And it doesn't matter how unqualified you are. If you're available, God can figure out a way to use you. Even donkeys and roosters, Mm he gets... I was I was no prophet. I was not the son of a prophet. He—that's Amos talking about. He's a man that was moonlighting. He was keeping sheep and keeping sick, her, uh, taking care he was of a sick farmer. Of the fruit.
0: Yeah, he he tended an orchard and he took. He was a shepherd and a farmer. And, and he's saying, by the that? way, in modern vernacular, he's saying, "My daddy's not a preacher. My granddaddy's not a preacher. I didn't grow up in this." It's me. It's me too, by the way. My, par- my-, my mother was first generation Pentecost, and, and she was not a minister.
1: My daddy was an oil field welder, and my granddaddy was a farmer and a moonshiner. And I'm an apostolic preacher.
0: God by uses the, the people who show up. By
1: the will of God. And the fact, mm-hmm. again, I was there. Like I said about uh, several offices that have been elected to, I was there. People more let qualified me. than I were was, but they picked me for some reason.
0: Let me, let me, I feel to add one more thing just to this, coming at it from a little bit of a different angle. Maybe this will help some of you. Likely. God is calling you to something that you're not qualified, but you already have some interest in, and you may even show some natural ability towards. I today am not the Bible study teacher that I was 20 years ago, not the teacher I was 20 years ago, but I like to read. 17-year-old me could not look at 37-year-old me and imagine this, but I enjoy scripture. I like reading. I like to learn. Was nowhere near where I am today that god took that little kernel of something and developed it and likely if you feel god calling you to something and you're thinking that i can't do that well i bet you've already got at least the genesis of some skill set that you're going to need and if you'll take a step of faith god will say now i can work with that and you'll begin to see something blossom out of it that you could not predict
2: Well, I
0: think we hit all of the questions, I believe. Did we? Wow. Okay.
2: Yes.
0: Let, Let me say this, and then I'm going to turn it to Brother Moss to make some closing comments. Seeking God's will, especially if it's involved in ministry, is often wild and exciting and thrilling and terrifying all at the same time. And if you're looking at something, And you feel God tugging on your heart and you're thinking, I cannot do this and this terrifies me. This can't be God. That's probably a good indication that it is God. Brother Moss, do you have anything to add in
1: closing? I really think we've pretty well covered it all to just say that it's not so important that we know the will of God, as that we are actively trying to follow God. Mm. A lot of times we wanna know, we wanna know, it's not necessary that we know. It's just necessary that we obey. We don't have to understand. Uh, I believe there's a song, I don't have to understand. I just need to hold his hand, walk with him. Be faithful to church. Read your Bible. Not just read it, but study it. Ask the Lord to speak to you through it. Be faithful to to what church is available to you. Be faithful to God. Dig your own well. Amen. Do what you know to do. And I being in the way, the Lord led me. But he can't lead you if you won't follow.
0: And if you're not moving.
1: Yeah, you need to you need yeah following implies movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me give oh, you a, go Yes, ahead. go
0: ahead. One more.
1: Uh, is, anybody that'd like to read or know a little more of my study and is I've got a web page at royalmoss.com, and I have my conversion story in there.
0: Your own testimony.
1: How did I, this whole thing started when I was at a a school contest. And I I had no idea God was anywhere around that day. But it changed my life. I just went and competed in a contest. And God arranged things where that I wound up where I am today. So everything's not super spiritual. You just need to be sensitive to and take advantage of whatever God leads you into.
2: We have time to squeeze in one more question that came through.
0: I'm fine, but, but, but we're five minutes over. So this is the last one, and then we'll shut it down.
2: How do you discern between a person calling you to something and God? Does age and maturity affect it?
0: It can be both. It doesn't have to be an either or. Sometimes God will use elders in your life to speak to you. But you also have to be aware that there are times where someone likely even meaning well is saying, hey, you should do fill in the blank. I feel you'd be good at this or God's, you know, I think God can do fill in the blank through you. Maybe so, but, but what's God speaking to you? Even when I gave that five steps and I talked about seeking, you know, counsel from godly people who have a history of making God honoring decisions. You you don't seek counsel until you've already talked to God until you've already prayed about it. till you've already read the scriptures. You don't seek counsel until God's speaking to you first.
1: And counsel counsel does not make your decision. They are for counsel. You and God have to work it out. Mm -hmm. Learn, Learn to recognize the voice of God. And you only do that by practice, by hanging around it. People who hang around me, they somehow recognize my voice. I don't have to identify myself on the telephone. They know it's me. If I can hang around God enough to hear him talk enough, I can recognize his voice. And there are people who mean well, but don't let anybody push you into something that God has not already spoken to you about.
0: Counsel should help you weed out bad choices, and counsel should help affirm where you already feel God leading you. All right, we've kind of one-toed it tonight, but it was I had fun with this. <laughs> Hopefully some of you got something out of us. Thank you for joining us for our Wednesday night live Bible study. We did it kind of a bit of a different format. If you haven't figured it out by now, this whole week we've been talking about the idea of finding the will of God and hearing God's voice. Tune in again tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for another broadcast and this Friday night for another Friday night with friends. We thank you all for joining us. Continue to be faithful to know to what you know to do. And I, I see the finger up. One yeah. more thing. Huh?
1: One more thing. The change in format tonight lets us know how tr- we're trying to be sensitive to the leading of God. We're not set in a solid format that we can't change. Right, right.
0: Once you're in motion, follow after what God's doing. There you go. Thank you. Be prepared to attack. God bless you all. (laughs) Have a good night. Thank you.